Yeah, just blessed with God's doing. And tonight, I have an amazing privilege of uh, inviting a dear friend to come speak. He is a member of our Resurgence Lead Team. He's a guy I've got to know over the last couple of years and just uh, really believe in him, really believe what God's doing in his life. And I've seen this huge progress of just, we went to Africa last summer together and just experienced some amazing things. And uh, God's really using him. And uh, he's an engineer by day. And uh, and yet a crazy evangelist as well, and always got a heart for the people around him. And so, uh, why don't we give it up for Dean Millis tonight? Thank you, sir. Well, hello. Again, yeah, I'm, my name is Dean Millis, and uh, yeah, tonight I just wanted to share a little bit of uh, what God has just been placing on my heart and what I've been learning and uh, what he's been speaking to me, but mainly I just want you guys to be able to connect with God and maybe apply something that he's been teaching me to your own life. Um, I work as an engineer in the day, as Travis mentioned. And I'm typically a very analytical, logical type of person. I analyze everything to the nth degree. I have the, the mega computer with a thousand batteries on backup just in case. Um, but sometimes um, when I read this, it really challenges me because of what it says. Because God does the miraculous. And for me, being an analytical person... I don't just leave things. I have to know, and I have to look, and I have to read and understand. And I'm like, okay, God, like, how did you do that? And like, let's, why? I want to see that happen in my life. Like, I want to I know, and I want to understand. Um, so what I want to talk about tonight is overcoming fear with faith. And so a definition from uh, psychology today of fear Fear is a vital response to physical and emotional danger. If we didn't feel it, we couldn't protect ourselves from legitimate threats. But often we fear situations that are far from life or death, and thus we hang back for no good reason. Traumas or bad experiences can trigger a fear response within us that is hard to quell. Yet exposing ourselves to those problems is the best way to move past them. So if you have your Bible with me today, could you turn to Judges chapter 6? I wanted to just talk a little bit about the life of Gideon. So starting in verse 1, it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock in their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Midian was so impoverished, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to help for the or they cried out to the Lord for help. 
Sorry. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you did not listen to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but the, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and he's given us to the hand of Midian. And the Lord said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So the story goes on and God ends up doing all these crazy things and they hunt down all the Midianites and all the Amalekites and they crush them all. And like God just does all this amazing stuff and it's awesome. But for me, I need to break it down into smaller pieces because I can read two pages and it'd be somebody's whole life. And sometimes you can read the Bible and you can be like, yeah, God, you're going to do something, so let's make it happen right now. Because we just live in this world of instant gratification so often. So let's just look through verses 1 through 16. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. And so they were getting crushed and oppressed, oppressed by all the Midianites for when they weren't listening to God. And when the Israelites cried out, God sent them a prophet and he said, I am the Lord your God. I am the one who delivered you. I am the one who leads you. I am the one who protects you. See, I'm not too sure why the Israelites did evil on the side of the Lord. But I do know that the first thing that he comes back and does when they cry out to him, is he reminds them, this is who I am. Don't forget who I am. And this is who I make you, my people. Because they seem to have forgotten. See, God is for us and he wants to help us. He wants us to get to know him and to remember who he is in all that we do. And there's a power in remembering and sharing what he's done in our life and around us. It's like when you stop and remember who God is, it realigns your vision. Like you see a problem, and then you remember, oh yeah, but God. And when you don't do that, you almost freak out, and you act out of this identity of, not, of who you're not. And see, He created us, and He knows exactly what we need. We are forgetful people. And if you look back in the Old Testament, all the, all the Israelites, they had all these rituals and things that they had to perform on a regular basis. And, and I think God did that because he wanted to remind them to stop and look at him and, remi- and remind themselves 
Remember, this is who I am. Remember, I am God. I am leading you. It's not about you. It's about Him. And even today, it's like we need obedience. We crave obedience. And sometimes we fight obedience. But it's so necessary for us to stop and say, okay, God, who are you and who am I and who do you make me? And to just realign that vision, to realign and look at Him again. See, there's also power when we pass it on to other people. There's so many people on this earth who don't even know who they are. And often we don't even remember who we are. (laughs) So it's so important to keep remembering who God is and to act in obedience, to continue to look at Him daily and just spend time in His Word and find out who He is. See, God is so large and so mysterious that it might, it's going to take our whole lives to uncover and mine away the different facets of who God is. And there's a power in passing that on and sharing that with other people. If you're a parent, you would know. I'm not a parent. I don't know fully. But <laughs> that when you have kids, you gain knowledge and you pass it on. You teach them what you've learned. And see, there's people out there who don't know anything about God. And we need to pass on that knowledge. We need to pass on that knowledge to those people around us who are searching. Sometimes there's blessings that the Lord has placed on your family or callings. And if you don't remember who God is and pass it on, then how are you ever going to find out? Like, even for yourself... I'm sure that everybody in this room has gained knowledge in some facet that they could go to themselves 10 years ago and and pass on something to yourself and say, hey, maybe just dodge that little bullet over here. You know, here's a little gem for you. (laughs) And that's why it's such a blessing to have like older people in your life who've gone through life, who've uncovered things and and searched them out and sought them out like passionately and to just have them in your life And to just get them to pass that on to you. Like it's so valuable. See, when we forget who God is, we forget to rely, listen, or follow Him. And often we aren't prepared to do what He calls. It's like you're an army and you're sleeping. And there's open territory for the enemy to attack. 1 Peter 5, 6-10 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The circumstances of life can leave you crushed and oppressed. They can drag you down. They can beat you up. And if you aren't looking to God and remembering who He is and letting Him renew you, you can get down. Even worse is to live life comfortable and to never know God. See, He loves us too much to let us stay that way. 
He wants us to know Him and understand Him. He wants us to understand what's truly important in life. And the enemy is looking around for someone to devour. See, God's people are those that are tasked to represent Him and bring His kingdom to this earth. And for everything that's unsaid and undone, not passed on, it's like an opportunity for the enemy to advance. You see it all around us in our society. There's so many topics that no one is saying anything, and then the opposite is advancing more and more and more, like there's oppression against people. There's just all these things that are coming up. And see, what I want to share with you is that your story is important. Your story has power in it. There are people and situations all around you that desperately need you to be sharing it, that desperately need you to reach out and lay down your fear and reach beyond that gap to what God is calling you to, to those people. See, one time I was at Resurgence and God told me specifically that He wanted to save all the people in my family and He wanted to do much more. And I don't even know fully what that means, but I'm, I'm trusting and I'm leaving it with God. And so when I spend time with the Father, I'm like praying about it. I'm asking Him about it. I'm pressing in about it. I'm trying to seek, like search through and uncover things. Like I'm realigning myself with God and trying to remember who He is. And I'm saying, God, I don't know, but you know. And I don't have to carry that burden. I don't have to carry that weight. And so that leaves me in a position where I'm ready. Though I'm looking out, I'm uncovering things. And so I went home to visit my family about a month ago or so. And I went to go visit my grandpa. And my grandma just passed away uh, two months ago, roughly. And they were married for 67 years. And so he lost his best friend, right? And he's hurting, and he's like, I have my friends Pamela and Sebastian with me, and he's just like crying in front of all of us, and my heart was just broken. But in the midst of that pain, I was just, I just sensed God saying, like, Dean, I want to know him. He's 91, but I want to know him. It's not too late. Please be willing to share me with him. Let me in. Let me into that pain because I can save him. I can help him. And so I led him through the sinner's prayer. And at 91 now, my grandfather is a Christian. <laughs> he told me, Dean, I just want someone so badly to call and pray with me. That's all I want. <laughs> and it, like, it couldn't have been anything. Like God just lined it up. Right, And the next day I'm going tubing with my friends again and my family and I'm getting my face smashed into the waves at full speed. It's great. Um, and there's a family friend there. And she comes to me and she's like, yeah, I got to go to the doctor soon because I found this lump on my body and they think that there could be issues with it. And so they want to do a biopsy on it. And, and, and I know that she doesn't know God and she, I could just sense this fear in her, of just the uncertainty, of not knowing. And I just felt God say, like, yeah, but I can touch that. I can touch that. And so me and my friends were there, and we're just like, hey, can we pray for you? And we prayed for her, and we were able to, she was really interested, so she wanted to know more about the gospel, and so we shared that with her too. 
And she was like really interested. And then friends came, and we needed to go smash our faces into the waves again. So, um, she messaged me back two weeks ago. She says this, Dean, I just wanted to thank you and your friends for praying for me. My tumor went down. I've always doubted religion, religion, but this has definitely opened my eyes. See, there's power in your testimony, and it's not up to you. Revelation 12:11 says, "It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God, and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the only one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, I want to say to you tonight that there's power in remembering who God is. And there's power in sharing who He is with others. Because they desperately need it. Back in Judges 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joas the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's given us to the hand of Midian. See, Gideon was mad. (laughs) And it's funny when you look at it, that we often blame God for the things that we do wrong. We often pick up other things in our lives, and we make them more important in our lives than God is. And then we blame him when they don't go properly. In fact, it's as old as time. When Adam and Eve sinned, Adam said to God, that woman you gave me (laughs) brought the fruit to me. He blames it on God. See, Adam knew who God was and he knew what he was called to do, but he did not rise up to the occasion. He would not say what he knew. He would not share who God is with Eve. And that led to the fall. In verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Bill Johnson says, You live your life based on which kingdom you live the most out of. See, earth has laws, rules, regulations which bound and govern it. There's a limited supply. The aim and goal of the world often is to be successful, to be the first, to be the richest, and even if necessary, to put other people down to get it. But in heaven, it flips everything upside down. There is no sickness. There is abundance. When we deserve death, we get life. The last shall be first. 
And we as his people are charged with bringing heaven down to earth. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer saying, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we want to bring heaven down to earth. In Ephesians, it says that we are seated in heavenly places. That we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. That we will do greater things than Jesus did when he was here on earth. The thought of that is crazy. (laughs) So I'm wondering tonight, when you look at problems, when you look at situations, where are you thinking from? Are you thinking from heaven? Are you thinking from earthly perspective? Are you thinking like Gideon? Because Gideon saw from a worldly point of view. By worldly standards, he didn't have anything. But by God's standards, he had the full backing of heaven. And he was a mighty warrior. See, it even happens with the disciples. They go out traveling around with Jesus and they come to a point where they need to feed a bunch of people because they're hungry. And they're like, well, Lord, we only, we only have these four loaves and a couple fish. And there's 5,000 people. And Jesus is just like, why are you guys worried? And he breaks bread and he just keeps handing it out and handing it out. And there's more than enough. And what's funny is they come to the exact same situation later to feed 4,000. And they again question and <laughs> don't have the right perspective. But So I'm just wondering tonight, like, what mindset are you living from? What are you believing for? Are you like Gideon? We are saying, oh, I don't have enough. I'm broken. Or are you like from heaven saying you're more than enough. You're a mighty warrior and you have everything you need. See, I could ask myself that question. Am I an engineer? Is that, what I, is that who I am? That's who the world defines me as. That's what I do all day. It's the first question everybody on this planet asks me. But I would say, no, I'm a son of the Most High. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I can expect God to show up where I set my foot. And I don't have to earn it. I just get to walk into it because it's not my plan, it's His. But sometimes the truth in the Bible can be hard to believe. Sometimes we're too afraid. Sometimes we're scared. Sometimes we're too proud. Sometimes past circumstances jade us. But if you're coming to God saying you're worthless, destroyed, and empty, you are not agreeing with who God says you are. You're in fact saying that what Jesus did on the cross was not enough. That you have to punish yourself further. And you have to agree with some weird self-pity argument that you're going to have to pay more because Jesus didn't pay at all. And that's the furthest from the truth. See, Bill Johnson also says you can have a million dollars in the bank and starve to death. Do you know what you have access to? God has an account set up with your name on it, and he wants you to access it. He wants you to use the account to obtain the blessings and overcome the challenges in your life. It's not your account. He has huge, grand dreams, bigger dreams than you can imagine for you and for this generation and for his people who have Jesus and know Jesus. But it's up to you to access it. Faith is like the credit card that accesses that account. 
If you try to access this account by striving and doing it on your own works, you might get zero balance after a while. (laughs) And that's not even the point. Maybe you would succeed, but the point is that you wouldn't know God. And as His people, that's what we're created for. Knowing and loving God. See, there are parameters to using the account. You can't just go and get whatever you want. It has to be within the will of God. I'm proposing today that you do not react with feelings, but you respond with faith. You could be tired. And you say, God, I'm down. But God is saying, no, you're a mighty warrior. Something could come against you. Sickness might be in front of you and you say, Lord, I'm sick. And the Lord's looking at you saying, no, you're able. You're able to reach people where you are right now that no one else can. How do you know the will of God? By getting to know Him. (laughs) Simply put. I can tell you for certainty what God and the Spirit are saying right now for every one of you in this place. God wants you to love Him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He wants you to offer Him your first fruits, your passion, your talents, your money, your time, your obedience, your strength, your place of influence, your reputation. Be obedient. Spend time reading His Word and meditate on it. It it affects your life and your choices. Fill your mind with thoughts that encourage you in loving Him. Find out what God's doing around you. Pray into those things. Feed on what God's doing. Feed on anything that encourages you to love Him more. Don't focus on what He's not doing because you'll miss out what He is doing. Just like Gideon, God is saying, am I not sending you? Again, many of us are so afraid like Gideon. But the truth is that there's injustice and tragedy going on all around us. And there's people hurting and need what you have. They need you to pass on and share what you've learned about God. God is saying, I want to send you. Each and every one of you. Some of us rebel. We don't want to do what God calls us to do. And some of us live distracted and bored. Matthew 16, 24 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? But what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. See, there's a part that each of us has to play. And there is a difference between saying and doing. But are you willing to pay the cost? There is a cost. Sometimes it's scary. But would you stop and honestly just assess your situation and look at it with faith 
patience and God's perspective. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your money, your energy, your reputation, your plans, your health, and maybe your pride. I was reading through the rest of Gideon and just in my backyard taking in some sun. And I don't know, it's just so awesome like reading how God just takes nothing and makes it into something like so much more. And he just goes and he just conquers and crushes injustice. And I'm like getting all fired up in my backyard. And <laughs> I'm just like, I'm thinking about my life and I'm just thinking about how many things in my life have I been robbed of from sin injustice, and just what the enemy is trying to take from me. And I'm just like, Lord, I don't have time anymore to tolerate saying and doing nothing. Because before I would think, oh, but that's going to cost me this, but this is going to cost me that. And now I'm thinking, I don't have time to not respond. And as I'm doing this, I'm thinking of my 60-year-old neighbor lady who's very particular about parking in front of her home. And I'm like all fired up, and I'm just like, <laughs> she comes in, and okay, I've got to give you context. You cannot park in front of her house, or you will know about it ASAP. She'll be out there writing your license plate down. She'll be leaving you notes. And if you happen to be out there, she'll be yelling at you and then scurry off into her house before you can talk to her. So I'm thinking, this is injustice, Lord, and I'm ready to go conquer and I want to go and kick a door down, and I don't know. I had to settle down. But at, in, the, in the midst of that, I'm like all fired up, and God's, and, and like, I don't know. I felt like it was of the Lord, just this righteous, I don't know what. <laughs> but he was just like, in the midst of it, he said, yeah, but Dean, are you willing to be humble? And I'm like, well, let's go back to the justice thing. <laughs> and he's, no, but seriously, he's like, Dean, how did Jesus come and conquer? Because the people of that day wanted it to look different too. They wanted a conquering warrior. They didn't want someone coming in riding in on a donkey. And that was, that was so hard for me. <laughs> but he was just like, Dean, are you going to be willing to be humble? Will you go over there and apologize to her? And I was just like, well, that must not be God. <laughs> so I'm trying to fire myself back up again. And, and then he says it again. Dean, will you, only quieter this time. Dean, will you go apologize to her? And I just got this sense right then and there. Is this what happens when I don't obey God? The voice gets quieter. Me not responding to what he's saying. And then I challenge myself right then and there and I say, do I actually believe that God speaks to me? And if I do, do I want to be someone who responds when he calls? So I went over and apologized. <laughs> and mid-conversation, she's like stuttering and having this really hard time speaking with me. And I'm like, what's going on? And she, she can't speak hardly. And she's like, sorry, I just had this double heart surgery. I don't know. It sounded intense. And I was just, I just sensed the Lord say, Dean, you need to pray for her now too. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> 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 I 
But at the same time, I was like, yes, this is like one of those stories. And, and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to, and I, and I'm, I just honestly, I said, okay, can I pray for you? And she just stopped, like everything stopped. And she looked me in the eyes and she said, I have been waiting for somebody to ask me that they would pray for me. And yeah. And so I prayed for her and yeah, I was in justice mode. So I just brought heaven to earth, earth on her. Like I just went for it. And like in the end, she just, I opened my eyes after I prayed and there was just tears in her eyes, like streaming down her face. And she somehow was holding my hand. I don't even remember that happening. <laughs> but, and she's like st- stroking my face with her other hand. And like, but no, like honestly, it was so endearing and I don't even know what God did in her, but it was so amazing. Like, and I, and I just went home and I was like, that was awesome, Right? So Galatians 6, 6 to 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. See, do you believe that when you step out, when God calls you to something, that He's actually going to show up? It's so hard sometimes. But are you willing to count the cost? Are you willing to stay, say, God, I feel like you're calling me to this, and it might cost me looking like a fool. But I feel like, on, no, I know that on the other side of that is what God wants to do and wants to release. And sometimes we just like the easy way out where it just happens and God does it. But He wants to use us. He wants to grow us. He wants us to know who He actually is. Hebrews 11.32-40 describes some of Gideon and some of the others in the Bible. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had something better planned so that only together would they be made perfect. Are you willing to embark on a journey that might not even be completed? How do you view success? 
Because I can tell you that if you embark on something that God calls you to, even if it doesn't succeed, it's a success in His eyes. Even if you're alone, you're the person cleaning up. You're the person not in the light. Those who are last will be first. See, from the beginning, God called us to the earth to fill it and subdue it. God could take over in a millisecond. Just like that, He'd take over in His power. But He wants to use yielded believers to crush the enemy. One of my favorite quotes from, this is a total guy movie, but Braveheart, is, uh, every man dies, but not every man really lives. Are you living? Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And I want to say tonight that God has something for each and every person here tonight. I want you to Honestly consider in your heart and your mind what is holding you back from things in your life. Sometimes fear can seem like this ominous black cloud that's just, I just want to stay away from that thing. And then once in a while we work up the courage to God and say, Lord, just deliver me from fear that I can go out and do whatever you're calling me to do. But God wants to walk with you every step. He wants to stretch you and grow you that you know that you know that you know who He is and who He makes you to be. So I want to challenge you tonight, just whatever it is in your life, would you be willing to look at it and honestly just assess it and say, what would it actually cost me to take that on, to do that thing, to do what God's calling me to do, and to not avoid it? Sometimes we can just avoid it, stay away from it. God knows where you are right now and He wants to use you. Yeah, and I want to challenge you to respond with faith instead of reacting with feelings. Look at the cost and be willing to say, this is what it costs and I'm willing to pay it. Maybe you need healing tonight. Maybe you don't know God tonight. Maybe you want someone to pray for you tonight. Maybe you need to get out of some old thinking habits. I want you to stop and look at those things and say, what is actually holding me back from changing and receiving what God has for me? Maybe you want to invite someone to church or tell someone at work about Jesus. Yeah, I've tried that a couple times at work too. (laughs) And it's very challenging. (laughs) But I just want to say that it's worth it. Do you want to be someone who hears God's voice and is not afraid and will run away but will stop and look at it and say, this is what it costs and I'm willing to pay it because God is with me. I remember who God is and I remember who He makes me. And I don't care what anyone else is saying. I don't care what the pressure in society will say. I want to look at that thing directly and say, my God is bigger than this. So tonight, I just want to invite you to respond in any way that you would. 
pray with someone. Like, come up here. We have people who'd love to pray with you or talk with you or those that you came with. Like, if you need healing, like, we're believing for that. Yeah. So I just invite you tonight to just spend time with God and to just look at the cost of whatever might be in your life and say, I'm going to choose to respond in faith instead of reacting with fear. Let me just close in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for everybody here and for everything that you are doing. Father, we admit right now that we love you and we want you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in this place tonight and speak to our hearts directly. God, what is it that you want us to respond to you with faith in? Whether it's coming up to the front, risking looking like a fool, or, I don't know, asking for healing after it hasn't come. I pray that you'd lay it on each of our hearts, God. Jesus, I pray that you'd help us have the mindset of not just that it's going to cost me something, but that I don't have time in my life anymore to not respond. God, that your fire in our hearts would just be built up, that you'd stoke up the flame, God. Help us to assess these things, God. Help us to share what we've learned. Let us not forget. Help us to remember who you are and to invite you into the situations you've called us to. I thank you for sending each and every one of us, God. I thank you that you've blessed everybody here, God, with your anointing and your presence. God, I pray that we'd respond to you this week, tonight, today. We wouldn't go another second without looking at what's trying to scare us away and just invite you into that, God. Amen.